I'm Jeff Cook. And I'm TJ Wilson. And this is Around the Circle. I'm walking slowly. Enneagram is a map of the human personality. It's a tool for navigating relationships, creates language for what motivates us, and helps us look at the way we look at everything else. Most importantly, the Enneagram's a mirror because sometimes you need help seeing yourself. My name is Jeff Cook. I'm a philosopher in Greeley, Colorado, and with me is TJ Wilson, businessman, lover of theology, and Enneagram ninja. Hello. My man. Hey. We're talking more about relationships and a different kind of relationship than what we've talked about in the past we're talking about parenting yeah yeah that is true i mean experts that we are (laughs) you have a kid i got a kid experts that's it yeah that's all it takes right (laughs) (laughs) the in my head i have keanu reeves talking in parenthood about you know you need a license to go fishing you need a license to drive a car but any old idiot could become a dad (laughs) stuff like that I, I, I think an awful lot about idiocracy when I think about the general concept of parenting. Oh, I, I, I can't put my thumb on. I mean, on it, you, oh. it mainly I'm, I'm thinking about the fact that like the, the premise of idiocracy is that, oh, that sure. the smart people that stopped intro. having children and yep. the dumb people had them like rabbits. <laughs> so by the time a thousand years pass, it's all dumb people. Can't say the line on this, but the there's a football player talking to three or four te- cheerleaders, and that's one of my favorite lines from all the film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it just <laughs> makes me laugh. Yeah, and then the librarian is waiting till she's forty five to yep maybe think just about gotta be pregnant. responsible. Maybe it's not a good idea for the climate and our political <laughs> situation, and you know, kids are just expensive. Kids are expensive, right? This is a thing. And I don't even have to think about paying for college yet. Just let your kid go into debt. It's, it's, it's fine. A, it worked out for me. This works. I mean, <laughs> seriously, you're saying, <laughs> baby, I'd pay for your college. I still haven't paid for my college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The last time we were talking about romance as a kind of love and specifically talking about those of us who have relationships on our stress, our security lines, we're going to do something real similar this time with how we're talking about parenting. And this time we're going to talk about stance. So stance is Enneagram language for how we get what we want. It often is a great name for the energy that we have. Some of us are more aggressive, assertive, Some of us are more reactive in how we engage the world. Some of us withdraw in order to get things that we want. And those are the three big categories. Um, So threes, sevens, and eights, y'all fall under the assertive, aggressive stance. Twos, ones, and sixes, y'all fall under the reactive stance. And fours, fives, and nines are the withdrawn stance. We're going to unpack stance throughout this set of podcasts, or it might be a single podcast, but how we parent, how we get what we want comes out in our parenting. We want our kids to get from here to there. We want our kids to be happy. We want them to be healthy. We want them to to thrive as human beings. How we're engaging our children often comes out of our stance. And perhaps it's the case you don't have 
any kids. That's entirely fine. But you are a kid. You're somebody's kid. And we have that same relationship with our parents. And oftentimes the stances of our parents affected us at really core levels. And it's worth worth naming. So we're going to talk about those relationships of how we were parented and perhaps how we are parenting and how our stance plays out there. So you got any thoughts? Yeah, I'm also thinking about uh, like this will be a really interesting sort of study or exercise to think about like like I I have a three year old and uh, parenting her is going to be you know a whole experience and I don't have a ton of experience with parenting but I do have a lifetime of experience of being a child but on top of that is also the the transition from being a child to adult parents to being an adult offspring of adult parents and and I. I know that I've I've heard a lot. I've heard people talk about this a lot, like the difference between parenting of children and parenting of adults, and and like the way the relationship changes. There's so much to say about that, and and I'm really excited about sort of exploring the the similarities that exist because our enneagram type doesn't change. So like like as as a parent. With, with a little kid, my motivation for that kid doesn't change as they get, as they become an adult. The relationship changes, but, but the things that we're fundamentally talking about, like stance and, and even base motivation, those things don't change as you grow up. So, so there's just the, a, a really interesting dynamic here that, that we can talk about, like moving into adulthood as well. And I just think, you know, sort of one of the fundamental tenets of, of Enneagram is it's about why you do things and, and that doesn't change throughout your life. So it's a good point. I don't think I thought about that. That my type from when I was in fifth grade, I can I can see my oneness in my relationships with my family. Mm-hmm. And that oneness that I see there is the identical oneness. Yeah. That I see with not only with them when I get back into you know, a lot of times you regress when right. you're, you're hanging out with the family, right. as it were. Right. Um, but that same oneness I see in other places of my life. Um, that's interesting. I don't think on that. Well, there's something about parental love that's worth naming. I've referenced C.S. Lewis's classic, The Four Loves, occasionally. Um, parental love has a dynamic that's different than friendship. Friendship is kind of a shoulder-to-shoulder relationship. We're going somewhere together. Romance is more of a face-to-face relationship. We are, you know, engaging one another, consumed with one another, not with some topic, not with some destination necessarily, but with the romance itself. Lewis points out that parental love has, you know, there's a power dynamic, there's a maturity element where the parent, in theory, should be the one who is... much more powerful and mature. And the child is lacking maturity and strength. And the love that's there is of the parent raising the child up. And the goal is to become something like equals. Um, If you're a great parent, what ends up happening is you have developed your child to the point where they can converse with you at high levels, work with you at high levels, do the things that you do. And that's the function 
of parental love. And so parental love isn't just in families. It can also be teachers for students. Um, it could be coaches for athletes. There, are, there is uh, theological language of God being like a parent. And all of that ends up having that dynamic of the one learning from the other, gaining from the other, being pulled by the other. And stance will be a huge part to that, both our parents' stance and our own stance, or us as parents, our stance and our child's stance. So, yeah. Yeah, there's some thoughts about parental love before we roll here. Yeah, I do want to, I, I feel like it, it should be important to note that uh, parenting, when, when we talk about parenting, uh, it m- might be opening some wounds. Uh, this might not be an easy conversation for a lot of people. And um, that Jeff and I are not exactly good representatives of people who have great relationships with their parents. Uh, we know that a lot of people have a really poor relationship with their parents. And, and there may even be a lot of people listening to this that have a poor relationship with their children. And, uh, and we're not necessarily going to talk about, like, we're not talking about how to fix those things. Um, I think it is important to note that, that we know that parenting relationships are not always great and that, that this may bring up some stuff for a lot of people. It may bring up some stuff for us as we get into it about the way that stance and, and type can influence whether or not the parenting goes well. And, and we also want to, I really think it's important to note that the only thing that you can really, the, the best, most important thing, and sometimes the only thing that you can really do is make sure you're the healthiest version of yourself. And sometimes that will do great things and sometimes it won't but you are still doing the best that you can by being the best version of yourself. Truth. Yeah, I suppose we, we could probably do a 20-minute uh, before we get into this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like there's some, some of these relationships, for some of you, will be filled with abuse. For some of you, these relationships are just filled with joy and wonder. For, you know, some of you lost a parent very early. Some of you... Um, may have never known your parent. Um, and then there's the dynamics of you have perhaps not one kid, but five kids. And there's all sorts of different dynamics between you and your many different children. Right. Broad brush will paint the, there's nine combinations of stance and stance. And we'll just talk through them all. And I, th- I think on the fixing things you mentioned, I don't know that this is fixing relationships, but it's certainly giving language for what's going on. Sure. Yeah. You know? Yep. I, I find that incredibly helpful here. And if nothing else, it can help provide some understanding and compassion, even in the, the face of um, more difficult relationships. Again, that is not a fix, and we're not going to advocate for you... Uh, uh, letting abusers off with a free pass or anything like that. That's not ever what we're going for. But like even my poor relationship with my dad, knowing the Enneagram has provided me a lot of compassion for understanding where he is coming from. It doesn't solve the problem, but it does make make me a little less... I'm I'm drinking a little less poison now than I was before the Enneagram. Right. 
yeah, that's a helpful way to do that. It's interesting, and we'll get into this. Um, the combinations matter here. Yep. And it's actually worth starting with the withdrawn types. I think that's probably the best place to start as I kind of look at my notes. Um, so there's three stances again, reactive, aggressive, and withdrawn. Starting with withdrawn parents. Withdrawn parents may have one of three different types of kids, aggressive, withdrawn, and reactive. I would love to start with the withdrawn withdrawn pairing. So this would be TJ's pairing with his father. Um, they are both withdrawn types. And there's going to be an energy there because of that, because both of them in terms of getting what they want in the world is going to be withdrawn. It's worth naming. So withdrawn types are going to step back to get what they want. They tend to live in their heads and hearts. Uh, they can oftentimes enjoy spending time by themselves, and they look to the past to you know, process feelings or categorize data or you know, to get the tools that they need to, to feel at peace and calm. This is a movement away posture often toward the world or a stepping back posture. And that's if you have a withdrawn parent and a withdrawn child, then clearly the relationship's going to be affected by the stance. So do you want to play out how you, how you experience that? Yeah, um, that is, yeah, the, the moving away is, is a great way to think of this um, with, with, in my own personal experience. Um, me and my dad sort of live our own lives, and if we happen to... Uh, have any crossover, great, but we don't really do any work to pursue each other. Uh, we we are in our own separate corners, and there have been periods of our of our time together that there is not animosity regarding that, but it also means that we never pursue each other, and we get hurt feelings about that because then we each don't feel pursued by the other. Uh, part of what it means to be withdrawn is that you are stepping back, that you are are moving away from conflict, from uh, difficult situations, from uh, anything that you kind of don't want to do. Uh, like there, there is a um, emotional, physical, and mental withdrawal involved in in this stance to the world. And and when you're talking about parents and children, there should there should be some movement toward. So if there is not, uh, as we are withdrawn, withdrawn parents and children, we, we are naturally sort of letting the other lead. And so you see what the problem is here. If there's no leader, there's no leader. And we're all just sort of doing our own separate thing. One of the things I imagine we're going to come to again and again and again is probably the best thing you can do as a parent to grow as a parent is to really focus on elevating your repressed center. Yep. And for withdrawn types, that means you need to get into your body and you need to get into action when parenting. Yeah. And yeah. that's just going to be a big deal for, for withdrawn parents. And it's probably going to be the primary thing your kids complain about, you know, in terms of the places where they really would have wished that, you know, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so withdrawn types are not going to be the only ones immune. We're going to get to aggressive types, and I bet you... <laughs> There's some things you need to, to say. You yeah. need to be more emotional and more feeling-oriented yeah. um, is going to be the message, and the reactive types are not immune either. And, and, and with withdrawn, uh, withdrawn types are going to be well-versed in what they think about things and, and oftentimes what they feel about things. Uh, there's There's... 
a good access to thinking and feeling and and when there is not someone else to sort of pull that out we sort of sit in our own thoughts and feelings and there that is a place where where the problems develop and become stew and and mm-hmm. just like grow and 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 so when there isn't from either side when there isn't a, a sort of intention or even a modeling of how to act on those feelings, how to draw them out, of how to how to come to the other person and say, This is this is something that bothered me, or or even this is something that was really great for me between us. When there isn't that experience, like that we it doesn't happen. It doesn't come from nowhere. And so the kid doesn't learn it, the parent doesn't express it, the and it becomes a cycle of of there not being that that sort of acting on the thoughts, sharing the thoughts and the feelings of of showcasing what it looks like to to have a depthy emotional and and mental life that is is shared with the person in front of you. Yep. And I imagine that a withdrawn child with a withdrawn parent is going to experience that more than others because the withdrawn child may not likewise ask for the thing that they need exactly. from the withdrawn parent. Right? Yep. So an aggressive child might. Right. A reactive child might. Right. But, but one of the things that we're going to see as we go through this list is that the combination of withdrawn withdrawn will have some, some real issues they need to work on. Aggressive, aggressive are going to have some real issues they need to work on, and reactive, reactive are going to have some issues they need to work on. Mm-hmm. The other combinations, you know, have have some natural energy, some give and take. But but when you are paired with somebody of your same stance, it can it can create a dynamic that can be difficult in a parent child relationship. It seems to me. Right. And both TJ and I have those relationships uh, with one of our parents. Yeah. That problem here, to put it in my own words, is. Both both sides are retreating all the time, and it's really hard to engage one another if both sides are retreating. Yep. I suppose that would be why one of them, if not both of them, need to, to get into their body, or else the, 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 the relationship will suffer, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the, there's definitely some good about it. It's the, in, in the withdrawn-withdrawn relationship, there is no pressure put on the other to be anything other than what they actually are. Uh, so, so I, as much as I would like a different kind of relationship with my father, I'm not going to force him to be different as much as he would like a different relationship with me. He's not going to force me to be different than I am. There's a lot of freedom to be who we are in this space. And that can often be really great because then like the, freedom to be who you are means that you're not conforming to someone else's standards or ideals or or whatever else, like they, this is one of the places where you like putting people in a box is a real problem, and withdrawn types do not put people in boxes, and and so there there can be some really great things yeah. there. There's there's a lot of freedom in this relationship, but if there's no one ever pursuing, then it's it can be a big problem, right? And this is, I, I suppose, to put special emphasis on this, this would be especially true of nines. Mm-hmm. The image of nine parents, nine parents will elevate freedom is almost a, a mantra yeah. of, I want you to be free. Yep. Notice it's about not controlling. It's also about not, what would that be? 
the nine is not taking the time to create the boundaries and expectations, um, the rules yeah. that the kid needs to follow. Yep. Um, yeah. The so structure. Yeah. Right. It looks like it can be, you know, this great virtue. I just want my kid to be free, but there is a dark side to that. Yep. And it's, I'm not engaging. Yep. And I imagine fours and fives will also have some issues on these fronts as mm-hmm. well in terms of not engaging. Yeah. My experience of my withdrawn mother, um, my my beautiful mother, who I adore and love, who we lost a couple of years ago, um, mom was a nine as well. And so I suppose I'm speaking as a child on this front as um, of having an experience of not knowing how to be in the world because of the freedom. So when I lived with my mom, we were in downtown Denver. I ran around that city. Mm-hmm you know, free to do what I wanted without a whole lot of expectations. And my dad had left, um, and that created, um, there's, there's a great side to that, to freedom, and there is also a lack of structure and stability that, that made it very, what? There's something about having, you know, no structure to, you know, to jump into as a kid. You need, you need there's something valuable about having, uh, a, a parent set some, some some boundaries and limits and get you where you're going. Because what the hell do you know when you're 13? Right, right. My reactive, I suppose my reactive energy towards my withdrawn mom ends up being a lot of the energy in our relationship is coming from me. Right. Um, she's, in, similar to TJ, not necessarily pursuing me relationally. In fact, when she got remarried, she married a, a wonderful boisterous Enneagram seven and outsourced a lot of her relational connections with others to the seven. Yeah. And so I need you to call Jeff so that we're connected, but she's not actually the one on the telephone. Right. The seven's on the telephone. Yep. And he was happy to do it. (laughs) And because there's no boundaries or rules, I'm getting to choose what I get to do. And so I'm reacting to her withdrawn lack of structures and I ended up in high school moving out. I ended up moving in with my dad who actually did want to create some rules and structures. And that was a super hard thing for my nine mom. I can now read nineness all into that and the disconnection and how that would have made her feel Mm -hmm. and you know, how loss works there and her anger at that all, which is, severely underplayed yet I was obvious you know I knew she was furious and yet it came out in ways that was never articulated so the I, we're talking a lot about nineness here but having a reactive child and having a withdrawn parent that child is going to be reacting to the withdrawnness of of the parent yeah right right and and sort of like like almost like a chase like the, the withdrawn parent sort of yeah. stepping back and the reactive child moving toward them and the withdrawn parent stepping back again and the reactive child continuing to move toward. And and again, just a great example of like the 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 importance of doing work on yourself is is if as a parent, if you are withdrawn, if I am withdrawn and and my daughter is continually trying to get my attention, but I just keep backing up from her, that is going to create a chasm between us. 
and and one day I'll look at that chasm and say, "What the heck happened? How did how did this? Why why is our relationship so broken?" And a big part of it is because I kept moving away from someone who was trying to get me to move toward them, and and like that mm. that child, the reactive child, is going to need someone to give them something to react to. That that is so much about what reactive reactiveness is you have to know like they're they're trying to find where the boundaries are they're trying to figure out what what they're looking for they're trying to figure out what they need to respond to be based on what's already happening it's it's a very present focused kind of mindset and if they don't have things to react to they have to go find it elsewhere and and that chasm is going to become something that that may like it could potentially be irreparable because that person has already found their their things to react to elsewhere and they know they can't get it from the withdrawn parent the thing that goes through my mind here is that sometimes the reaction is going to come out of the personality of the 1 2 or 6 mm-hmm. so the reaction colored through oneness is going to be i'm going to my my parent is withdrawn i need to fix this somehow yeah you know there may be an improvement element if if the one thinks that this needs to be improved you know um for the six i imagine that if a parent withdraws too much the six may begin to question you know the what might appear to be a weak you know power structure as it were yeah is this a safe place to be and it's not a safe place there's not safety and support when a parent keeps withdrawing like that that would be a, a an unconscious red flag for a six that this is not a safe space for me, right? And same with the two. It's the two may experience that as a lack of reciprocated care. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I'm I'm extending, and I need you to do some of the work, as it were, and may even deepen some of the wounds. Like the, the we, we talk about the childhood wounds and and the sort of unconscious message that that we interpret as children and and for the two uh hearing that you're not wanted is right when when one of your most important figures in your development is backing away from you what kind of what other kind of message would that send than you were not wanted right for a two feel like I'm picking on withdrawn parents and I really don't mean to <laughs> like right. but I'm trying to expo- expose yeah. you know here are some of the things that perhaps kids feel and just need to be named mm-hmm. I suppose on the flip side if I if I may again when you get into your body when you get into action when you when fours fives and nines elevate their repressed center they become alive in ways that nobody else becomes alive in those ways you know active fours fives and nines are truly remarkable folks in that that just needs to be known mm-hmm. you know the then can be stellar parents well and even thinking about um the ways that that parents need to grow but withdrawn parents that need to grow in different ways for different stances so withdrawn parents needing to grow for withdrawn children there needs to be some kind of pursuit, but you don't necessarily have to do more than that because like one of the great things about me and my dad's relationship is that we're, we get along really well. 
if there is a parental kind of expectation there, it kind of goes badly. But if we're talking about like work or something wrong with the house, we get along really well. And there's not much work that needs to be done for us to have a solid relationship. Yeah. Uh, a withdrawn parent with a reactive child, the thing that they like getting into your body is necessary, but, but the way that you need to create structure and space for that child is going to be different from a withdrawn child. The work that you need to do is, is going to need some more sort of hands-on involvement and like, like you're going to have to do more work to sort of give space for that child to be comfortable Mm-hmm. We in one of the very first episodes that we have on our feed, it's just called Stance. TJ and I talk through relationships, and we kind of named the pairings. Mm-hmm. And as you're talking through them, I'm reminded of the withdrawn withdrawn pairing that we named was like space seekers. Mm-hmm. It's just those who they carve out their spot. This is my environment on my terms, and here's where I dwell, yep. and or how we dwell. So watching, for example, watching my withdrawn mom and my withdrawn brother live in the same house for three years. Yeah. Uh, enormous house. Yep. Never got cleaned. Yep. Of course <laughs> and not. They both had just their locations where uh-huh. they did their thing. Yep. And it was just known, you know, this is this is this is our space and just no forward movement towards yeah. selling that house because it was way too big. They didn't need to no cleaning of the house. Yeah, but they were just kind of a little odd couple, you mm-hmm. know. And I'm gonna guess that like, they might like have a little bit of chit chat while when they were in the same room, but otherwise yeah. they wouldn't really react to each other. They 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 just wouldn't interact because they're in their own I, spaces. My brother was interested in whatever self improvement uh, mysticism he was getting into that day, mm-hmm. and it probably meant he was in his room on that front. And my mom was quietly simmering with rage that my brother wasn't helping more around the house. <laughs> <laughs> that was that the sounds dynamic. about right. And not saying it out loud ever. Right. Yeah. Right. Never. Yeah. Nope. Never uh, my naming brother, the expectation. Nothing. My brother would occasionally take out one of the three dogs that my mom had collected, uh, which she cle- she did want more. <laughs> yeah, because dogs was are the best. His, that was his contribution. <laughs> the withdrawn reactive we've called persisters. It's like, we're slowly going to get there mm-hmm. over time. We're going to achieve the thing. And yeah. that also can be a dynamic. And that was, I can, the, 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 the common targets that my mom and I had together would very much, you know, be characterized that way. There's not a lot of fuel in our relationship mm-hmm. getting from here to there, but we're going to get there eventually. Yeah. We, we are moving because otherwise I'd go nuts. Right. The last of these pairings is obviously, though I I said that the pairing of, you know, withdrawn, withdrawn is difficult, but withdrawn aggressive is also one we need to especially note. Yeah. Especially with with an aggressive child. Yeah. Or especially an aggressive child or an aggressive parent with a withdrawn child. And we'll get to that obviously in a minute. But you want to talk about withdrawn parents and aggressive kids? So, uh, in case we haven't said it before, uh, don't type your kids. Uh, that <laughs> we we might have should have started. Uh, maybe that should have been the first thing that we said, but we did. Can I speak to that? <laughs> it, just this is uh, one. It's true. 
Two, stance may be one of those things that you can at least intuit and yeah. perhaps react to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's why we're oh. talking about stance with parenting and not type. So uh, my child is three, and obviously, like, you're not supposed to type your kids. Uh, it's really bad. There's there's so many things to say about why not to do this. So, you, <laughs> so you know, we're not typing my daughter. And uh, we're going to, she'll be steeped in Enneagram language for her whole life. And when it comes time and, and she feels like she's ready to, like, pursue it and figure out what type she is, she might figure it out. She might completely reject the system. That's totally fine too. It's her, her prerogative. But I, for now, I am going to very loosely hold the idea that she might be an aggressive type. Uh, just from some of the things that, that she does, the ways that she sort of tries to order the world around her. Um, so I, I think she might be an aggressive type. And I'm, I'm not going to say any more about her type beyond her being aggressive. And especially as a stay-at-home parent with an aggressive type, man, I'm tired a lot. <laughs> she has so... And it's not just because toddlers have a lot of energy. It's because she is coming at the world and wanting to do things and climb and wants... Like, not even just wants my attention, but she is demanding my attention sometimes. And and I'm tired and I need rest. And she loves to climb on me when we watch TV together. And it's great, but she doesn't ever stop moving. And and so she's, like, kicking me while she's sitting there. And, like, it's a, really a lot of this comes down to I have to understand that she is bringing this energy and I have to find a way to not necessarily match, but at least receive her energy and not run away from it. And that is a huge part of withdrawn and aggressive, withdrawn parents with aggressive children. You have to figure out ways to receive it or else their energy is going to stop pointing toward you. Yeah, that's what it is. It's, or it's, it's going to point towards you in yeah. destructive ways. Mm. I think that's great. I think that's great wisdom. I don't, I don't really have anything to add there. It's the thing about withdrawn folks and aggressive folks in combination is you're always going to have the irresistible force versus the immovable object energy. Yep. And in parenting, it's kind of a different kind of thing because the the a, a withdrawn parent can feel like just a very stable presence. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side, as you're saying, like oftentimes aggressive kids are just pulling, you know, and demanding of your full commitment. Yeah. Um, and and they're also like as they get older, they're they're going at life, and mm -hmm. and. The, the withdrawn parents, the, this is one of the things that I, I'm pretty sure my sister is a, an aggressive type and I'm pretty sure my dad is a withdrawn type. And watching them try to navigate, uh, particularly adolescence, her, her teenage years was very tricky. Um, and my, my dad did not follow her into the places that she was trying to go. Mm -hmm. And, and 
that means that that their relationship became almost toxic because she she had so much that she wanted to 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 experience to live to to she wanted to have big conversations and like she she wanted to come at the world and he did not know how to to get in on that wave right and the wave right. passed him by we haven't brought this up but Oftentimes in families, it's not just one parent and one kid. Oftentimes there's perhaps a couple of folks. Mm -hmm. So there's another parent or another sibling. And we haven't mentioned this, but oftentimes with aggressive, withdrawn, or when the two share the same stance, there, there can be a lot of outsourcing. Yeah you need to talk to your father about this sort of thing, you mm -hmm. know? And so I watched um, my stepbrother, who's an eight, and my mom, who's a nine, in severe, you know, uh, Battle tension. royales? Yeah, over the house, <laughs> yeah. right? Yep. It's shared space. Yeah. And it's not only that, it was my mom's house, and then yep. they moved in. And that's that, that creates a whole new dynamic, you know? Yep. But I'm positive that my mom was saying, you need to talk to your son about X, yeah. Y, Z, oh, and yeah. let me start over, double A, double B, double C, you know? Yeah. Well, and um, especially because she was the, she was not his parent. She was right. his parent's wife. Yeah, double problem there. Yeah. But I can also see, because I can see it in, in my house, you know, there are times where my wife will say, you need to do mm -hmm. this for this child because I can't do it because the, the, the chemistry doesn't work. Right. Right. And that can be, that's a card that can be really helpful. Right. <laughs> and right. that's a card that also is kind of outsourcing. It is disconnecting from, you know, the situation at yeah. times. Is so, this ace high or low? Right. Yeah. So it needs to be used with care because, you know, some, sometimes you do need help. You do mm -hmm. need the other person to step into the role of communicator for you because the, the chemistry isn't going to work. Right. And sometimes you need to grow up. Yep. Beating that drum again, the best thing you can do to be a good parent is work on yourself. None of this right. matters if you aren't willing to, to do your own work. Right. Exactly. I want to talk about rules, actually, because you brought this up in our fantastic Zoom meeting that we had a month ago on this. Sure. The withdrawn parents don't are often don't create the boundaries. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily want to do the work, as it were. Yeah. That there is a looseness here. There's a desire to become friends too quickly mm -hmm. that, that can sneak in. Um, there's an outsourcing. I need you to do the work of raising yourself. Right. Yeah. That can can sneak in. Yeah. And that that should be avoided. Yeah. Well, and it comes from a, a place that like that this is a, a sort of a double edged coin, is that like I I I say this to people that I interact with all the time, is like I, I don't care what you do, do whatever you want. You just have to know what you want. And like if it comes up against my desires, then we'll either figure it out or we'll part ways. That's just 
I, I don't want to do anything to control you, and I don't want to be controlled by you. This this is a significant part of nineness, and the as a withdrawn parent, like I I don't want to impose my will over and against someone else's will. The problem is my child doesn't know what she wants yet. Right. Like she and and she doesn't know what's safe and she doesn't know what's like screaming in the grocery store for fun is not an appropriate way to behave as a human. <laughs> and uh that like running a shopping cart around Target is probably not a good way to behave as a human. But sure is fun though. Uh, absolutely, it sure is fun. <laughs> But as a parent, like, I hope that as a late teenager, she gets yelled at by a, a store clerk <laughs> for doing stupid stuff like that. Because I did. I get it. I know why you're not supposed to do that. But as a parent of a toddler, I have to create this sort of boundary for her or else I'm a completely neglectful parent. Yeah, I, I don't want to create rules because I don't want anyone else to have to live up to my will. But as a parent, I have to create rules so that she understands how to navigate the world. I have a theory that so many of the charlatans that are out there who are who you know are selling millions of books and are very famous people, and oftentimes the folks that we give power to are given those positions, are given those those sorts of, uh, you know, sell that many books, because what they really are is substitute parents. Mm. Like, the, the person who's buying that book wasn't parented, and yeah. this person is kind of a clown, and they're way too assertive about their system and all the rest. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if, if, you have, if you have nothing, you know, you're working from, yeah. and this person is saying, this is how to grow up. Right. I'm like, okay, I'm going to yeah. jump... Uh, give me another Tony Robbins cassette, you know, or right. whatever. Because right. <laughs> we're rules. still in 1990. It's a cassette. <laughs> <laughs> I need 12. I need 12 more rules. Yeah. That, he's speaking specifically to men who don't have fathers in their life. Yeah. And he's not necessarily all that wise, but he sure is taking on a posture where he looks like he's smart mm -hmm. and, you know, has his stuff together. Yeah. And, and part of that is because he is showing people where boundaries are yep. that they hadn't seen before. Yep, that's exactly it. Mm -hmm. People need <sighs> that for their development. And with drawn types, we have to do a little extra work to make sure that we are creating that environment for our children. Yeah, that's it. So, I mean, I just overshare. Like, I was, I was drinking a lot, smoking a lot in middle school. And I think about my kids now, I'm just like, what the hell was going on in my house? <laughs> anyway. Yep. That's what happens when you have a, a single mom working two jobs who's a withdrawn type. Yep. <laughs> you know what we need is some assertive parents. Let's talk about them. Mm, debatable. <laughs> TJ lacks an assertive parent. Um, I have a I have two assertive, well, I have a, an assertive stepfather and an assertive mother-in-law, and then my wife is assertive. So yeah. I see the combination there. Yeah. So it does, I see it from all the angles. Yeah. can talk about this. Assertive types. Assertive types demand what they want, 
work hard, played hard types, often very quick thinkers, have a plan, get it done, expansive personalities. We mentioned it with, uh, with drawn types that they are the move away from sorts, but what, what is it for uh, aggressive types? They move regardless of other people or? Regardless or against. Lots of forward tools, focus tools. They're thinking about next Wednesday. Mm-hmm. That comes out in parenting all the time. Yes. <laughs> and and I think that two of the aspects of uh, assertive types that I see playing out in child rearing the most is the distance from the feeling center that assertive types live with because they're, they, the feeling center is their repressed center. And, and that has a huge impact on relationships and on how you're trying to train your children. And then the, the fact that assertive types think that they can order the world according to how they see it or how they want it to be is a big part of parenting. Because yeah. they think yeah. assertive types believe that they can teach their kids to be exactly how they expect them to be. Right. And sometimes that's great. And sometimes it is so far from the truth that assertive parents are going to beat their head against a wall trying to change someone into something they aren't. Yep. I want to start with aggressive reactive. If you see this pairing, these two are often very close because the reactive child probably communicated very early and even throughout their development, I understand who you are. And the aggressive sure. parent often may not have ever had that experience. Sure. But this kid who I love actually gets me, responds to my energy, and and loves me unconditionally. That's not mm -hmm. always the case. Right. But I can think of so many combinations there of that sort. Mm -hmm. So my mother-in-law with my brother-in-law, super tight. Yeah. Just to use them as a prototype, they, they were so tight because the reactive child understood the aggressive parent that there's almost a, there's a chemistry and a flow there as you were kind of saying like the, mm -hmm. the aggressive type wants to shape the world as they desire and the reactive type is actually all about that mm -hmm. for the most part like i will go in the places that you want me to go yeah and then there's this natural flow i bring this up this has all sorts of benefits and then it does have a severe downside <laughs> in that in a family structure, that can be, oh, you guys are kind of special, aren't you? You know, mm, right. it can be off-putting. Yeah. You know, um, so watching my wife who loves her aggressive mother, but self-confessedly would say, I wasn't as close with her as I was, as Josh was, you know, mm -hmm. as her brother was. And there's something that can be, I mean, it's an invitation to envy or it's an invitation to, um, that, that union can just be so powerful. You see where I'm going there. But. Yeah. Yeah. It, as, as an aspect of a larger family, it can definitely be the sort of thing that ostracizes and potentially even, uh, deepens wounds of others in mm -hmm. those environments. Um, my reactive spouse has two aggressive parents and one of them was providing the security 
that she was looking for, and one of them was looking for a pal. Yeah. And that that's super reductive. That, but the the way that 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 two aggressive parents played out with a reactive child is that the reactive child was close to the one that was providing the thing that they were looking for, safety and security. Mm-hmm. And and they had a hard time. The the other aggressive parent felt left out and in an aggressive way. That's the one exception I wanted to bring up. Again, to, to kind of poke for a second. If the aggressive parent is in excess in their type, the reactive kid is going to react against that. Yeah. And that's just, it's worth naming. Yep. Like if, as TJ said earlier, like the best thing you can do as a parent is work on yourself. This is the best gift you can give to your child mm-hmm. and work on your, your marriage if you're still married. There's almost like a line, I think, that gets drawn for reactive types in terms of aggressive types. Like I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm going to react to your energy, react to your energy, react to your energy because I love you. But I feel like I, this doesn't often happen to me in my oneness, but there is a point where I did draw a line, you know, for my stepfather's sevenness. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, all right, you're going to get us killed, you know, <laughs> you yeah. know kind yeah. of thing. Or, <laughs> and, and I think on, like on another side of that, I think it can also do real damage to the health of the, the child because they're, the thing that they're learning is how to be unhealthy like sure. a, yeah, yeah. as a reactive type like perfect a, yeah. a self-possessed reactive type who has developed their own kind of maturity in spite of the immaturity of a re, an aggressive parent may learn that place where they have to draw a line but an unhealthy reactive child with an unhealthy aggressive parent will follow them into the abyss right Yep. Unhealth. I use the word excess and I should have unpacked that, but it's almost like name your type. What are the worst elements of you pursuing your motive? Mm -hmm. Um, So threes just wanting to look amazing in front of others. Sevens wanting to have the best possible adventures. Eights wanting um, to be in control of the situations. When you, when you ratchet that up, when that, when you give that nuclear energy, you know, that's excess. Yeah. And you can see how, how a parent who really is in excess in their type as an aggressive parent here, Mm -hmm. your parent, your kids are going to have to react to that. And yeah. And if it's a three parent who is in their excess and every, everyone needs to see how great of a family we are, then the kid develops an understanding that the only thing that matters is what other people think about me. Mm Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and, and me performing to a level where other people see my success. And, and then you have the potential of if, let, let's say, you have a three parent with a two child. That kind of dynamic of, of insisting that the child perform at a level yeah. that other people see as great means that too is going to become super unhealthy in the ways that they do things for other people. And it has to be great. I have to be the best gift giver. I have to be these kinds of things. And it's going to only feed into that weird 
pride that they experience and make them more and more unhealthy as they get older. Right. I so want to talk about an aggressive politician and his kids and a reactive politician and his kids, <laughs> which I will not do. But let the listener understand that if you wanted to go down that There's road, thing to be said. they're on stage and you can you can just see it. And it's just worth naming. And you can see the reactive kids dim- trying their darndest to yeah. be what the aggressive parent wants. Yeah. And they will not ever accomplish that because the aggressive parent doesn't actually want a good relationship with their children in an and unhealthy on the, situation. On the flip side, and we'll talk, we'll talk about reactive types in a minute, but you'll notice there's a reactive politician on stage and he is struggling with a child that he enabled. And that's that is that is the issue. <laughs> like, so anyway, we'll see if that makes the cut. Um, <laughs> <laughs> aggressive withdrawn, man. So let me let me pause for a second. Aggressive parents, just know I'm cheering for you. If as these are going to be some spots, I watch my beautiful bride, who's an aggressive parent with a withdrawn child and with an aggressive child. And these can be some of the, the, the best relationships you'll ever see, and they can be some of the trickiest. Mm-hmm. And I think aggressive parents in particular can have a very difficult time you know, yeah. in some of these places for the reasons that we've offered. You need to get into your feeling center, and that's going to be the hard work of being a parent. And, and when you can get there, then wonderful things can come out of your relationships, but that this can be difficult. Um, aggressive withdrawn is that yin yang, you know, irresistible force, immovable object dynamic, but especially when the kid is the immovable object, this is going to, (laughs) this is going to (laughs) create energy. Yes. Yes. Uh, so I, I'm particularly thinking about aggressive parents who are insisting that their withdrawn child become aggressive. Uh Because as an aggressive person, I believe that I can order the world according to how I see it. And this child is my creation and it will behave the way that I expect it to in order to become like me when it grows up. And, And forcing that kind of cage onto a withdrawn child can make them not just withdraw more but disappear into themselves like that that is something that like you can essentially push a child so far away in that kind of setting that they can be sitting across from you and you have no idea who they are all they're doing is is outwardly expressing what you expect from them because they have no other choice. So as a parent, if you're looking for a puppet instead of a child, here it is. Withdrawn children, that's that's your way to go. Just put strings on them. You've got it. This is, this is going to invite aggressive parents into places of maturity that no one has been able to invite you into before. Right. And we've said this about aggressive types is that often you're going, 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 until something really breaks. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of 
you know, I have seen this happen where it's the kid that, or the kids that invite that experience. Right. I think especially for withdrawn for fours and nines. Fives are a little bit different because fives can get aggressive both in security and in stress mm-hmm. and may have some tools to use. I, I, I know that TJ and I have talked about this a handful of times to each other, but the pairing of eights and fours or sevens and fours can, can be incredibly tricky right? in terms of parent-child relationships, and they're really common. Right. Because, um, you know, kids have a lot of emotions because they're, they're learning how to have emotions and how to express those, like especially yeah. at younger ages. That's just part of being a child. And a four child, and the, there's theories that fours and sevens look very, very similar as children. But mm-hmm. the, like the four child who is learning how to have their huge emotions anyway, that bringing that emotions to the, the, that level of emotion, the intensity, the depth of their emotions to the table, especially for an aggr- aggressive parent, can be a lot to handle. Mm-hmm. And, and aggressive parents are the least well-equipped naturally to understand and, and make space for that emotion to exist. Right. And, and like we're, we're, we haven't even touched on the difference between boys and girls yet because that that's a dynamic here. And we also understand that like when Jeff and I were growing up, boys and girls was a different conversation than it is now. Sure. And that's a whole other thing. And (laughs) we're probably not going to say much more than that, but aggressive parents trying to tame the emotion of their child is is gonna be uh it this is a losing battle. Yeah, if you have gender assumptions about how your four child needs to be in the world in terms of their masculine traits, mm-hmm. this will this will be a yep. fight. Yep. This will be a the four is going to elevate all emotion and the eight's gonna elevate all action if both of them are in excess and these right. are just gonna be water and oil. Right. And, and and you're you're teaching your child that that their natural self is bad, yeah. because you don't understand it, right? Yep, it be it, it's the world is something to dominate and control and to move according to my preferences mm-hmm. for the assertive parent, but especially when it's well, I, in order to be a good parent, I mean, all of culture tells you this, don't they? In order to be a good parent, you get your kid from here to there, and these are the standards in your head of what you know what success looks like or what mm-hmm. being a loving parent looks like or what mm-hmm. being a good parent look like and oftentimes your withdrawing kid is just not jumping through your hoops right. in the ways that you wanted them to right and that's not necessarily a bad thing they're just different correct and that's where it's the there is an invitation to maturity here for assertive parents yep yep just to again hit eights and fours and sevens and fours not to pick on them, and I, I suppose we could talk about eights and nines as well, but eights and fours, here's the thing, worth noting, you both solve problems emotionally, mm-hmm. and so you're going to fight vibrantly in ways that no one else in your experience fights, yep. and it's, it may even be one of those things like, I don't know why our family is broken, 
because, but this is how you are in the world. Right. And so it's just naming that this is predictable, expected, this is your type, this is how the chemistry works. Maturity is going to be the best possible solution yeah. to this in terms of how do, you, how do you navigate the fact that we both vibrantly fight about these things. Yeah. And it, it's going to be really important to look for. I, th I think this is true for f aggressive types with any withdrawn types, but especially for eights and fours. The th one of the most helpful things will be to, to figure out what your common ground is. Not force common ground, figure out yes. what it is. Yeah. Because when you can meet in some, in a space, then you can learn how to sort of expand that space to other parts of your life. Yep. Yeah, the eight and four are going to meet in your authentic self. Yep. Both of you value authenticity. If you can get there, that can be a great place of connection. Right. For sevens and fours, both of y'all are idealistic, one on the happy side and one on the depth, the emotional side. Mm -hmm. And that, again, can create that water oil experience. Right. But especially for seven parents trying to pull their, their melancholic four who's going through puberty, you know, <laughs> into something else, that can be incredibly frustrating. Right. And it, it's it's one of those things that you you need to develop vocabularies for for meeting each other, mm -hmm. and and for for understanding how to how to communicate emotional thoughts. Like I, I think that that all the aggress uh, aggressive assertive types, like they have everyone has emotions. Everyone has these these spaces where they, they understand the world through a sense of their emotions. But um, three, sevens, and eights are, are farthest away from understanding how to communicate any of those emotional thoughts and, and being able to, to develop that to, to understand. Like, if you can give space to the emotional experience you're having, you don't necessarily have to be in those emotions, but learning how to talk about them will model that for your for your children and when you have when you have an aggressive type with a withdrawn type it doesn't matter if it's a four or a nine or a five they need to know how to communicate their emotions and if you can't model that for them they're not going to learn it from you Another dynamic, I suppose, that's really tricky with sevens and fours is that sevens live almost entirely in the future and mm -hmm. fours live almost entirely in the past. And yep. so you might feel like you're talking about two different worlds. Because you are. Seven parents, you need to get into five space in order to, to, to get there with your kid. Yeah. That's, that's a road. Like find yeah. some things that you get really get into that are more in your head study wise in the past as it were. And that can yeah. be a connecting point. Yeah. But yeah, I think um, that uh, aggressive parents with reactive children can continue moving forward a lot, but a yeah. big part of, of learning how to be a good parent with withdrawn children is learning how to not move forward. Right. It's not necessarily moving backward. It could potentially just be sitting here now. 
I was listening to an aggressive parent talk about parenting. It's one of the best things I've heard recently, actually. And I, he threw out his wisdom. It's not my job to get my kids interested in my things, the things mm-hmm. that I'm passionate about. It's my job to get interested in the things they're passionate about. Yep. One of the yep. things my wife does superbly is meeting my kids in their interests yeah. in places of passion. And that her her assertive, aggressive energy is going into those spaces. I'm going to meet you into... like. Mm-hmm. She's not into Roblox. (laughs) 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 Jumping in there. Yeah. So that, and that's, that's her as an, that's how she's saying, I love you. Yeah. I suppose another side note on this is it is the case that withdrawn kids do need to get into their bodies Mm -hmm. and aggressive types are, are great at getting into their bodies, you know? Yep. And I don't know what the carrot and the stick side of parenting is on this. Hold it loosely would probably be right, <laughs> the right. thing. But there is a place for encouraging. Mm-hmm. Well, and if, if you can develop, like that, this is part of, if you can develop the kind of relationship where the withdrawn child trusts you to not drag them into situations that they're, they aren't prepared to be in. Right. Then like you can start to pull them into places where they're maybe uncomfortable, but not, terrified you know yeah and like develop that relationship develop that trust and understanding and and so that they know that this is not something that that they're going like you're not pushing them out of a plane you know i suppose the last pairing that might have some issues is nines and eights as i'm thinking through it and it's because of the control issues Mm -hmm. But it it can also be uh, uh, remarkably uh, false is the wrong word. Um, my my father in law is an eight, and I am a nine. And several many years went by in our relationship before he knew that I did not agree with him on all things. He just, like, the way that nines can sort of communicate their place in the world and carry on conversations, we can easily make other people think that we agree with them without ever actually committing to that position. And he did not know until he started studying the Enneagram and started learning about <laughs> nines, which I, I will forever regret that that like a ton of our political and emotional and like a lot of our conversations was me understanding him not agreeing with him and so that that can be part this is something that uh, eight parents need to look out for if you have a nine child they may not actually agree with you they're just getting you to leave them alone it's true it's also the case, I suppose, for eight parents of the nine child and who suddenly realize they pushed their kid finally to the point where they erupted. Mm-hmm. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's an authentic thing. That's a, mm. now we understand where things are at. I, I, I think it can be good. I, it, yeah. Again, it all comes back to individual health. Yeah. If, if the eight is pushing in order to get the, the nine into their body, to get them to react to to have some kind of like more uh, true and depthy interaction that can be great. 
if the eight is pushing because they want things to be their way, they what they could be doing is causing an explosion that creates a chasm. Right. True. And good news for the eight nine combination, there is an intuitive understanding of spaces. Yep. And here's your space, here's my space. We don't control each other. And yep. that can go a long way, I bet. Yep. All right, aggressive, aggressive. Friends, if you're a three, seven, and eight or have and have a three, seven, eight ch- child, I got I have the insight. <laughs> like this is you be prepared for some gold here in a second. But obviously this is gonna be all you know, immovable object versus an, no, what is it? Irresistible force versus an irresistible force. Yep. And that's, there's going to be energy here. Yeah. And especially as TJ was saying, if you, if you see as a assertive type, if you are seeing the world as something to bend to your preferences and your child is <laughs> intuitively comes to the world and thinks the exact same thing, there's going to be some sparks. Yeah. Well, and, and one of the things that, that can be really helpful here is that, like, if you are a healthy parent of a, an aggressive, assertive parent of an aggressive, assertive child, you can help them navigate that space and, and apply a lot of their aggression and aggressive uh, assertiveness in more appropriate ways. Uh, I, I heard a story recently of an aggressive parent who... Uh, basically said an aggressive thing to their their four-year-old and then later that day the four-year-old was using that aggressive thing to order their own world Mm. and like there's there's a, a a modeling involved here that like if you are a healthy parent you can actually show your child how to do this well yeah that was the thing that was popping for me i love the idea of modeling mm-hmm if I'm modeling action for my withdrawn child, that that is one thing. Mm-hmm. But your withdrawn parent modeling action for you as a withdrawn person, I bet you is different. It understands yep. the struggle. Yep. It understands that this is this takes a different kind of focus and effort. Yep. So too aggressive, aggressive. Like yep. modeling for your kid, this is how you care about other people's emotions. Mm-hmm. As somebody who has a v- very difficult time caring about other people's emotions is a legitimate treasure. Yep. Absolutely. That actually, yeah, I mean, that describes a lot. It <laughs> describes a lot of the conversations in our house. <laughs> so, so my, again, my bride is a, an aggressive type. My oldest is an uh, aggressive type. And so this ends up being one of the big dynamics is mm-hmm. when the two of them have something that they want and it is, you know, they're on opposite ends. Their their energy just fills the room. Yeah, you know you can't escape the energy that's coming from the two. Yep, um, from the three and the eight in this particular instance. I, I, a common default in these, like once once things have kind of exploded and we're trying to figure things out after the fact, has been from my wife saying, "I need you to care about my feelings." And my eight child understanding that that actually is something that matters. And yeah. it's much more important than, hey, you didn't go to school again. Right. And the, especially like bringing this out, it, I like the, that specific line, you need to care about my feelings because your 
spouse, your your wife is a three, and feelings is a that is her dominant center, while it's also her repressed center. Mm-hmm. And so she it probably took her a really long time to understand that 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 was what she wanted to communicate because she didn't know it herself. Right. And when it comes to uh, figuring that out and again, being able to model it and, and, and highlight this thing, then she can basically say, I need you to care about my feelings, but also you need to understand how to care about other people's feelings, period. And, and you can start with me. Yep. That's exactly right. Here's the goal. Uh, there is a fight for control with an aggressive parent and an aggressive child. Yep. Parents, you need to choose to lose that fight. And when you do, you win. Right. You need to get that in your head. Yep. That this is the way to be victorious in this situation is to, is to be the one that loses. You can lose in one of two ways. Your kid can actually bludgeon you to the point where you surrender and give up. That's a bad way. Or you can go into the situation knowing they're an aggressive type, I'm an aggressive type. And I'm going to go to that space where I allow them to win because I'm the parent and I'm in control. Yeah. And there is something about that move. And I've talked to a handful of, uh, well, two people who have had this experience. And but my bride from both her battles with her own mom and then my bride with her bowels with her child. And then I had another conversation. But the image of aggressive types, one wanting to win, like that's your posture toward the world. Yeah. And then suddenly you're a parent, and this is something you can't control. Mm-hmm. And you just have to know, that's right, you, you can't control this kid. Right. And the sooner that you know that, it can be incredibly helpful. There's all sorts of things that being a good parent will entail but don't like winning means not fighting that fight as it right. were. Right. Uh, TJ will strongly uh, agree. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm on board. F- fights are probably not very good, don't you think? It Enneagram Nine. What's the point? <laughs> Why would you have that fight in the first place? That seems silly. That has been just helpful for me because there there is something about we were. I was talking to a woman who had an aggressive parent who was a seven. She was an eight, and she felt as an eight, like she had broken her parent. Mm. It was a single parent relationship where two aggressive types in the same house, you know, just two of them. And when the parent broke, it actually did something to their relationship. Right. I'm sure there's wisdom. I've, I've, I've painted myself into a corner. What is the role of the parent who's, who gets to that spot? You know, I, I, I think it's self work. From what I understand, so much of parenting is is about like like I like that phrase that like it's it's having your heart on the outside of your body and and understanding that that there's a level of self sacrifice that you have to undertake in order for your child to become a successful adult, uh, a, a successful human, and if you were exclusively looking for control, then you're, you're not looking to raise a child. You're looking to raise a robot or a puppet. Right. And, 
and that's i mean it sucks but some you're just you you can't control other people this is one of the fundamental tenets of good therapy you do not have control over how other people act and even as a parent who is responsible for the the raising and the up the upbringing and the the adultification of a child you do not have control over how that child acts you can control their you can put boundaries around their behavior but someday they're going to break out of that fence and there's nothing that you can do about it and the sooner you accept that the better because then you can start reacting to their energy instead of trying to control them yeah, to double down on that, three sevens and eights who are naturally feeling repressed, when you actually love others with your full self, it's something that is absolutely unique. Mm-hmm. And if you if you can get there, in terms of of your kids, that can be that can be incredibly powerful. There's a there's a tai chi or like an aikido move here of letting the assertive type get to the place where they crash on their own and right. then being there yeah to pick them up absolutely and yeah. helping them to crash as early as possible because mm-hmm. when you you crash when you're 12 it's really different than when you crash when you're 17 yep when it's really different than when you crash when you're 32 yep you know you want to you want to start crashing as soon as possible if you're yeah. <laughs> you're an aggressive type well and especially for aggressive types that it's it's not just that they can be there to help pick up the pieces, but they can also say, "Hey, I remember when I did this." Yes, yeah, and then that's, there's the modeling. Yeah, yeah, and let me show you how how I navigated this situation. I can tell you what to do and what not to do. Yeah, those can, and oftentimes if in pain, you know, aggressive types who are really in pain after a crash are often, you know, that's where there's actually openings, mm-hmm. as it were. All right, reactive types. Uh, reactive parenting is going to be ones, twos, and sixes as a parent. Uh, ones, twos, and sixes earn what they want, often by following kind of you know the rules that are out there or an internalized set of rules. Um, these are types that move toward other people. How can I, how can I serve you? Types and react to the energy of those in front of them. This can be great as a parent, and it, again, is the case that there's places of difficulty worth talking about. So, right. so I, um, I have a reactive parent. I am a reactive parent. I have an, an aggressive child and a withdrawn child, so I'm kind of surrounded by this. Would love to start with the withdrawn type. This is probably an easy easy one. Um, yeah. There's an energy here. Yeah, It's similar to the aggressive, reactive, you know, aggressive parent with a reactive child. A reactive parent with a withdrawn child is going to be. It's. It feels to me like it just. This is what parenting kind of looks like. It's like I'm trying to get my kid going. I'm mm-hmm. reacting to their withdrawnness. Yeah. I'm meeting them in that space. Yeah. And a lot of the energy is coming from me. There's. A, there's because of the withdrawnness. There's almost an invitation to be the parent. And I, like I feel that all the time with my withdrawn child, who is incredibly intelligent and mm-hmm. self-aware but still is kind of waiting on me to, to, to lead, as it were. Sure. 
And yep. that's a and that's an invitation for me to step into that space. So mm -hmm. you got thoughts on this? Do you have I'm trying to think of uh relationships that you have on this front. Yeah, uh I believe that my mom was a reactive type. Oh, there you go. Oh yeah. yeah. And so yeah. same going. And I am withdrawn. So uh so I to me it seems like like the, there's um, a, a space for leadership here and a good, like a, a reactive type will also react in sort of the other direction. So, so there's a high potential for when withdrawns get into that space to where they're actually pushing away instead of like just backing away the for good or ill, the reactive parent can respond to that as well. And I think that like that was a big part of uh, why things, why my relationship with my mom was where it was. Like I had a really good relationship with my mom when she passed, and and part of that was that when I was younger and and sort of pushed her away, she didn't leave, but she still sort of took in that energy, mm -hmm. and and as a reactive person she was able to to acknowledge that she was still present when i was ready to come back you know and yeah and like yes drawing me out but not in the ways that i i think that like reactive parents can draw out withdrawn kids move them into places of action but in a way that doesn't feel like dragging um that's and at their best yeah, yeah, at their best, um, because because it, it it's more of an invitation than it is a demand. Yeah, to circle back, we again I named them the persisters. It feels like that, like a good mm -hmm. a good reactive parent will persist with their kid. Yep. and move at the right pace. Yep. Uh, what can on the negative side, reactive parents can become enablers. Yes, absolutely. They're reacting so severely to the one in front of them you know, that they're not actually doing parenting. Right, right. The, um, the place of codependence uh, has a lot to do with the sort of reactive energy of, of the, when it is a reactive parent with any type of child, it, if they are not sort of like laying down the law in any way if if all they're doing is trying to like come alongside and support and uphold and and gain their own sense of worth from whether or not the child is happy then all they're doing is creating a bubble for their child in which there are no consequences right and it's a, especially to a true of twos and sixes yep i'm not ones are gonna have different struggles but right. I suppose the struggle for ones on this front is ones can lay down a very high idealistic bar for their kids mm -hmm. who are withdrawn. And that can be something that, you know, it kind of has the same energy as the aggressive withdrawn where you, you have kind of a irresistible force in terms of the ones ideals. And this is how things should be. This is how mm -hmm. you should be doing things, kid. Yeah. It can, you know, as we've kind of said in the past, ones can can come across as very aggressive people at times. Yeah. And that, that energy can be there with parenting. Yep. Reactive aggressive is similar as well. React, as, a, as a parent who's a reactive parent with an aggressive child, there's so much energy coming at me from my aggressive child. I love it. <laughs> you know, I've said this in the past. I just 
really enjoy the aggressive people in in my life at times when they when when we're connected well because it allows me just to to react to their to their energy yeah and so what often happens on this front is i'm simply directing the energy of my child toward places that i think is are healthy and i'm creating opportunities and you know when they're up and moving then there there is kind of a natural flow it's not pulling my withdrawn child with my aggressive child it's much more channeling and mm-hmm. shaping and 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 that's my energy there so yeah yeah with uh with reactive parents in general it's it's really easy for the kid to set the agenda uh, and this is especially true with aggressive children uh, mm-hmm. because they're coming at life and they're they're going to be the ones that are setting the terms of how this relationship is what kind of activities we do where we're going like the and when reactive parents are unhealthy then the kid is in charge right and when reactive parents are have done some of their own work they understand that that part of their role is to learn how to and and to teach how to direct that energy not necessarily yeah. to let the kid be pulling all of the strings but but to understand how how that energy moves in life. Yep. And this is the place of, I suppose, the enabling in the twos and sixes, especially mm-hmm. if the, the two or the six have a have a insecurity where they're not getting the uh, the you know the affection that they want from the world out there. Yeah. So you could probably point to a whole host of folks who struggle with substance issues who had a reactive parent yeah. who allowed that, loved them through it. And, mm-hmm. yep. but there wasn't direction there. Right. Yeah. It is remarkable how much my potentially aggressive child is setting the terms of engagement for my reactive spouse. Right. And it's not a bad thing. It's just like watching it from knowing because I don't want to be controlled, knowing that like I, I don't necessarily allow my daughter to set the terms right? like that. That's just not our dynamic. Seeing that from the outside of watching my daughter with my wife is very interesting. This, okay, this was the wisdom I was looking for with the aggressive-aggressive. You have to pick your moments to be a parent with aggressive kids. Yeah. They, they, you, you want them to... There's so much energy there that you're just kind of pushing where it needs to go. There are some times where you need to stiffen your spine, push your chest out, and, and say, this is a boundary, yep. and we don't cross this boundary. Yeah. And they're going to hit that boundary a handful of times. Yep. But you're going to especially s- after you say it. <laughs> yeah, right. And but you have to be. You need to say this is a hill I'm willing to die on. Mm-hmm. Literally on this front. You yeah. Know, you have to say this is a hill I'm willing to die on, for your sake. Yeah. And it, eventually the aggressive ch- children will come around. I, I think. So I, I talked about aggressive aggressive. The parent needs to lose. You need to not think that you're in control all the time. But there are times where you need to be the parent. Yep. You need to push. You back. will have to put your foot down sometimes. Right. One of the most important 
uh, apparently in conversations later, uh, events that I had with my child, my my oldest child, one time got very uh, physically violent at home, which hadn't happened before. They've mm-hmm. gotten physically violent at school, uh, not towards people, but like throwing chairs. And, and as many of you know, they're they're neurodivergent. But at home, there was there was um, something that had happened in which violence was toward my spouse, and I stepped in and uh, and just used my full weight to restrict the movement of my child. And they didn't know how strong I was. They never right. had had that experience because right. I'm not that person, you know. Right. But I'm and, a two. Uh, yeah, good. they don't they don't think about the fact that you're gigantic. Yeah, I'm six foot three and two hundred and twenty pounds and I yeah. can move a I can I can move an eighth grader. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that was something that ended up being both very difficult for them to experience that. That I was physically restraining them, physically moving them into their room, and physically planting them on the bed and then leaving. Uh, apparently that was something that was shocking to them. Yeah. And that I think that, that that does need to be twos. You need to push into your eight at times, you know, as a parent. Mm-hmm. And that's a great good for the sake of your kid. You know, yeah. sixes, you got some three to push into. You can get yeah. aggressive. Both twos and sixes can get aggressive, especially when in stress with their kids, and that's not necessarily the worst thing. Right, right. Sometimes you got to put your foot down. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know if that's an overshare, um, but the... I think that illustrates the point well. Um, I think most people would never realize that the reactive-reactive combination is incredibly difficult commonly for types who are... And it's because it's so silent. We've talked about this in the past, but reactive parents with reactive child children often have a chessboard in front of them, and all the pieces are set, and then they look at each other, and they look at the board, and nothing happens because they're waiting for the other one to move. Right. And unless there is something <laughs> that causes movement and change and something that they can respond to, reactive types will not be able to, you know, to move forward, to communicate, to do anything. It's very strange at right. times. Right. Um, but this is just one of the dynamics. Mm-hmm. And as an, an, an outside observer might look at that relationship and go, whites always move first. <laughs> <laughs> Which can be a thing. Yeah. Uh, and that, 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 is a, that is a real thing. That there is, uh, especially with thinking about, I guess this, this applies across the board. Uh, the thing that you are struggling with as a parent the parent always moves first. This is this is a rule. The, the, you're always a parent from the moment that child is born until one of you dies. You're always a parent, mm-hmm. uh, and you're always the parent first, and you always move first. And and in a reactive reactive relationship, there's gonna be a lot of times where you are waiting for the other person to make the first move and they're not going to because they are waiting for you and you have to do it because you're the parent i feel like twos can get out of this sometimes because they can always say what can i do for you uh-huh. you know i sure. as as parents but I, I think that only has so much you know staying power as it were right, right. my experience is we the 
naming the things that you do together that you really enjoy. So again, finding the things that your kid really loves and meeting mm-hmm. them there can be a great entry point of, oh, okay, here's the thing that has energy that unites us and moves us forward. Right. So my dad and I talk about baseball and politics. Yep. And that's that's what, but it really have a difficult time, and sometimes about our family and how things, you know, the lives of our my brothers. Sure. But you got to have something to react to. And w- one, one might suggest that uh, if the reactive parent were more interested in uh, maintaining and developing and, and furthering and deepening that relationship and, and willing to work on themselves, that the reactive parent in that scenario would find ways to connect baseball to other things that are actually important. And right. then, and and even if you don't know anything about what your child does or is into and like you you don't like talking about the things that they like to do but you do like baseball you have to figure out how to how to push toward them um even it might be the case that you are engaging with something that you don't like because the point is you have to give your reactive child something to react to. They have to have something to 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 respond to 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 get their level of engagement in place. Right. That might take a lot of thinking, not in the moment, because you're thinking repressed. We can right. go back to repressed centers. Um, you need to elevate your thinking, and as a reactive parent, that probably means you need to do things like journaling getting your head around things mm-hmm. ahead of time so that in the present moment you can authentically move into that space. Right. That's that's heavy lifting ahead of time so that you can react in the moment. Right. That can be quite valuable. Yeah. One of the things, it's, it's very strange. I know I've said it a handful of times, but I'll routinely go through life engaging other people and, and hit just a couple people, and I'm like, I have no idea why they don't like me. And... A year later, learn this person was a six, this person was a two, this person mm-hmm. was a one. Oh, yeah. of course. It's not that they don't type. like you. It's that they, you're both reactive. You're both just waiting there. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, But that same energy and dynamic can be in families. Mm-hmm. And it could be one of those, like, I don't understand why we don't connect. Right. And the reason is it's just you're a radar, he's a radar, and you're just waiting for a ping, you right. know, as right. it were. And, and part of, like, it, it could potentially be the case that, like, part of that thinking repression means that you have to be a little bit more intentional about, like, structuring your parenting. And so, like, not necessarily reading all the books, but, like, if, if you are an, an adult parent, parent of a grown child, you're both reactive and you really struggle to communicate, maybe you schedule a phone call and you just yeah. make it a regular thing. Tuesday nights at six o'clock, we're going to talk on the phone. We don't necessarily have to talk. We, we don't have to plan what we're going to talk about necessarily, but after three or four Tuesdays in a row, either it's working or or it's a total disaster, and that's a bigger problem that you have to fix. Right. But if you just 
get the train moving, the train will continue to move. I mean, for all of the types, for ones, twos, and sixes, for all three of these types, perhaps just knowing the rule, you're the parent. You have to move first. You've got to do it. It's your duty as a parent. You're not a good parent if you're not doing this. And I say that completely self-aware of how that works. But parents have duties. Mm-hmm. As we kind of, and this is a good place to wrap up. The goal is to raise your child up from immaturity to maturity. Your yeah. your goal is to release them out of the nest. Your goal is to see them have as few you know issues that they need to talk to a therapist about later on in life as possible. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the it's it's to make them your equals. The the absolute joy and wonder and goal is to have them be your equal and exceed your intelligence, your ability, your station in life, et cetera. Um, that's one of my, but like I, I'm so enchanted by my grandmother. I can't rap on this one. Um, desperate poverty. Both parents died when she was two raised by her older sister, um, in a house They they had like 10 kids and, uh, and she died as the second youngest in Oklahoma. Married a paint salesman, had my uncle born 1946, my dad born 1948 when my grandfather came home from the war. Their house recently, I looked at on Zillow, their house recently sold for $102,000, which sure. in today's market means this is, this is not a very good house. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, it was a one-bedroom hovel. <laughs> in southern Oklahoma. My dad got a doctor of dental surgery from Emory University. It's the best university in the South. Sure. And, and, then, uh, and then my uncle got an MBA from Harvard. That strikes me. And, and my uh, grandfather was a traveling paint salesman. Wasn't even in town. Like, he was home on weekends. Yeah. That is such an incredible accomplishment in my mind. Yeah. This is like their their entry letters, as it were. I don't know would be as rewarded. I mean, both both my uncle and father just crushed it in terms of getting into that space from from the places that they're at. And I'm just I think that is just the most remarkable achievement to to grow up without parents, raise two men to that spot where that's her releasing them. And mm-hmm. I, I suppose just knowing her, she was a two, and just getting to reflect on that as, you know, as, as, and that just strikes me as here's a worthy image of, of the principle. It's a illustration of the principle. Um, bang. I, we actually got through that in one episode, I bet. Uh, yeah. you want to, I think so. You got any other thoughts on, on parenting and stance? Our goal as parents is to, raise children into adults and and as you were saying uh, to to sort of like like we want to push out equals and 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 let them like thrive and flourish and and like be their own person and part of the challenge for withdrawn types is that that we 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 need to teach model and engage how to be active when that's not the natural place we have to we have to show our kids ways that 
like doing things when we don't want to and and engaging life is important even even from this space where we're just trying to back up aggressive types aggressive parents cannot control their kids for their whole lives and reactive types cannot just do it for their kids like this is the, the you can teach your kids how to be you can you can show ways that that your kids can engage the world it can can be successful can do the things that you think are important but if you are aggressive you cannot force them into it if you are withdrawn you have to actually do it and if you are reactive you can't do it for them that's a good word the thing is you were talking there's the elevating your oppressed center the thing that was going through my mind is there's also I, I sign off every time with uh, you know who you aren't isn't interesting. This is true of you as a parent. Like you've yep. been gifted these kids, not because you're somebody else. You've been gifted these kids if you're a parent because you're you. And if you don't give to them the thing that you're naturally really great at, it, it would be a loss. And so, like there there is something the healthy side of all the types can materialize in your parents and that parenting and that can be a, a really great great good yeah. of your love you're improving your your desire to see them successful your desire to push into their emotional life to see them wise to see them safe to see them adventurous to see them you know protected to see them at peace these are all great great goods that you can give I suppose on the on the flip side, in terms of our relationships with our own parents and their stance, as we've we've this is the second time TJ and I have talked through this, and like there's so much, I can just feel it every time we talk about it, how much you know baggage I got here, mm -hmm. and that at least this window allows me to process in a way that, as as was said earlier, I can have a little bit more empathy, and perhaps even there there might be some stuff that just needs to get brought up you know, and, and dealt with, uh, with, with our folks if necessary. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not exactly, you know, this is a place I'm not a therapist. I'm not exactly sure how to, to go down those roads, but, but using this in terms of your relationships with your folks while they're still here can, I, I have found incredibly valuable of while my dad's still here, the, I, having this understanding matters. Thank and it makes it less likely that you're going to pass some of that baggage on to your own kids. Right. You know how you're, you know if your parents really love you? As if they give you gold stars, five stars, on, the, <laughs> on your podcasting platform did, of choice. Did Kelly tell you to say that? <laughs> no. <laughs> Even write a review. My kid's podcast is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> My parents didn't listen. <laughs> it's fine. I don't. It's it's fine. I don't matter. It's fine. Who was it that I was <laughs> listening to the other day? I think it was Matt Damon, and like his he's got daughters who are just not at all interested in oh, sure. you know in his movies or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's just hilarious to hear these people who are spectacularly successful. You mm -hmm. know, talk about how their their family just doesn't, doesn't yeah. care at all. 
wildly successful public figures, movie stars, and the kids don't watch their films at all. It's super healthy for both, I'm sure. <laughs> well, we continue to have our uh, times on Zoom once a month. If you want to connect with us personally, we talk through all the types, and we have about 20 people that, that come together each month. It's a great time if you ever want to get involved. Go to aroundthecircle.org, hit events, and there are uh, links there. If you want some, you know, some flesh on these bones, uh, we've created a podcast called Movie Typing, in which we go through famous movies and characters and TV shows, and it's a place for us to talk about the inner lives of folks that many of us are familiar with, and you can kind of go, oh, that's how that looks, uh, given you know, you know, these common, common personalities. And as always, and, uh, if, interestingly, a lot of those conversations are about parent-child relationships. <laughs> it's true. It's, it's a, a topic that's a, occasionally addressed in drama. Yeah. I guess storytellers like the uh, they go to that well a lot. When your father cuts off your hand and tells you to turn to the dark side, what what does a seven you know, do? It's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Last podcast that we have is start here. Uh, so this is our typing tool. If you want to jump into the Enneagram, you have people who you love who want to jump into the Enneagram. You really want to help uh, or or have a place of connection with a parent, let's say, or with a child. This is this this can be. I have found this a fantastic place to talk with um, with my kids. Um, my it's it's incredible. The only like aggressively evangelistic male five I know about Enneagram is Beckett Cook. <laughs> it's just shocked that people don't get into this. <laughs> it, it, it feeds my heart of like, okay, well, he's into it. I mean, yeah, but yeah. There's probably something here. <laughs> Intro music is by The Collection. Jazz here is by Brian Claxon. And uh, if you would like to help fund our, our, our work, you can always find us on Patreon. And the links for that also at, are at aroundthecircle.org. That's what I got. Anything else? Just a reminder, don't type your kids. <laughs> Send them to the Start Here podcast. <laughs> Way easier. <laughs> yeah. For all you withdrawn parents. It's just, yeah, you just can, let them just do it outsource. themselves. <laughs> They'll figure it out. No, you give them the podcast and then you don't have to do Yeah, anything. exactly. Oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> He's DJ Wilson. He's officially awesome. I'm Jeff Cook. And who you aren't is not interesting. <laughs>